Amen. Well, at this time, I'd like to invite Brother Jordan up, and he's going to tell us a little bit about his field and bring us the word. And if you want to say a note about your family, and that would be wonderful. So glad you guys are here. All right. Wow, I'm so privileged to be here. Man, I am what I am by the grace of God. God is just so good. I could talk for hours and hours and hours about the goodness of God. But we have a schedule we got to keep, so I won't be able to do that. Um, my name is Jordan Karecki. This is my wife, Alicia, here. Our son, Elroy, is two. You'll see him running around. Then we have a daughter, Ishmaela. She's about four months old. Uh, we're missionaries to the Nubi tribe in Uganda. They are a Bibleless Muslim tribe in Uganda. Um, my wife and I attended Baptist Bible Translators Institute uh, a handful of years ago. I don't remember the exact year, but... Um, it was at Baptist Bible Translators Institute that I was introduced to the concept of unreached people groups. Um, so in Matthew 28, when Jesus said to go and teach all nations, nations does not mean countries. It's not, we think of like Germany, Japan, China. We think political countries, and that's not what the Bible means when it uses the word nations. The Greek word is ethnos. In Uganda, for example, there are 68 different ethnic people groups there. 58 of those 68 people groups have their own native language. Now, in Uganda, English is the official language, but there are almost no Ugandans that grow up speaking English as their first language, and not even every Ugandan speaking English. And so it's interesting. You can go to Uganda, go in our town of Rua, you can walk down the street, you'll hear like eight or nine languages spoken, and everybody knows what tribe they're from too. You can just ask them, hey, what tribe are you from? They all know, okay? Strong, it's a strong identity for them. You know, and you can get in your car and drive 30 minutes south. You'll run a new set of like seven or eight people groups. You'll, hear, you'll start hearing different languages spoken. Uh, we have a tendency to, we think the world is like us. So in America, we basically have one language. I mean, in America, basically everywhere you go, for the most part, most people you meet will speak English as their first and their only language. It's not like that all over the world. There are, in, in some countries and in a lot of places, there are whole people groups that do not have the Bible. There are some people groups that have zero churches. You know, the, and, and actually, they estimate that 29% of the world's population belong to unreached people groups. So low, low numbers of believers, some of them don't have Bibles, some don't have any churches. Uh, but for some reason, only 3% of all missionaries with 1% of missions giving actually go to unreached people groups. So um, when we were at BBTI, I got really burdened for people groups, I began praying, and then uh, God led us to the newbie tribe, but the video will tell you all that, so I'm going to show the video. There are unfinished tasks and there are unstarted tasks. The newbie people of Uganda are just that. One hundred percent Muslim, no Bible, no New Testament, no Jesus film, no resources, no churches, a group of 34,000 people in Uganda, and the need is for one to answer this call. 
I was born and raised in Chicago in a non-religious home. My parents got divorced when I was around seven years old. And as a teenager, I got involved with drugs and alcohol and partying and stealing. I'd been in jail a few times. I'd been in a psych ward. I even considered suicide. At one point, I put a pistol in my mouth and I thought about pulling the trigger. My life was spiraling out of control. But I heard the gospel when I was 19 years old and I accepted Christ as my savior. I became a new creature in Christ and God began changing me. And now, God has given me a burden for the newbie people of Uganda. I still have fond memories of going hut to hut, sharing the gospel, seeing neighbors come and gather. And um, I remember going in the marketplace and these ladies in the market asking me to preach the gospel to them and then being there and, and preaching. It was through these things that God began to put a burden in my heart for Uganda. And when, when I see Uganda, I see opportunity. I see uh, an open door and I see a great need. It was at Baptist Bible Translators Institute that God began to sharpen my focus and burden. In our world survey class, every day we looked at two unreached people groups from around the world. One of the first people groups talked about were the newbie of Uganda. What you saw earlier at the beginning of this video were the same pages that I saw when I started researching this people group. One day I did a Facebook search for the newbie and I found this newbie community group page. So I began messaging the page and eventually the creator of the group added me on his personal account. This began my friendship with Akita Amin, a newbie. We messaged for several months until I came back to Uganda and met him face to face. A few weeks later, Akita invited me to one of their cultural events. This cultural event was done by one of the newbie social clubs, and the clubs exist to meet and they discuss business and concerns relating to their tribe. At the event, I was formally introduced to the newbie community and I met many individual newbie people. One of them was the chairman of the club. Going to this event really connected me to the newbie people. When I first showed up, they told me, you are now one of us, a newbie. During a speech by one of them, they referred to me as a newbie from America. I think this was their way of saying their community had accepted me. During one of their cultural songs, the newbie man next to me said, he is singing about your presence being a blessing. God has given me a positive connection to the newbie community. And while it was a joyful time attending this event, it also was a burdening time. If a boy should be brought up in a Nubian way, if a girl should be brought up in a Nubian way, however, you can't be a newbie if you are not a Muslim. You can or you, you cannot? You cannot be a newbie who is not a Muslim. Do you know Ishmael? When you die, if you will go to heaven or not? It, and it depends now what I'm doing. Yeah. But in actual sense, you will never know. Okay, so you don't know. Uh, you don't know. Okay. So you are trying to do what God wants you to do. Yeah. But you never know inside your heart whether they are doing it correctly or they are doing it wrongly. But normally, for you, you are praying, yeah. God should put you to heaven. Yeah. If oh. that should be in okay. your mouth, God give me heaven. You should see the look on the faces of the newbie people when I ask them, are there any newbie Christian? They immediately say no. And then when I ask them, what if a newbie becomes a Christian? They just look at me. Because 
the ones that I've talked to, they've never seen it. There's no newbie church of any denomination for them to attend. There is no newbie Bible for them to read. There's no Christian resources in their language that they can read. I'm a Baptist Bible Translators Institute graduate, and that means that I have advanced linguistic training. And I really believe that learning the language is going to be the key, not only to sharing the gospel with the newbie people, but also building relationships with them. Even when I have a language teacher or a language helper, that is going to be one person that I am spending tons of time with every week and just building that relationship. And then once I learn that language, I am probably going to be the only person outside of these people's tribes that know their language. And they're gonna know that. The second thing is taking an interest in their culture. When they invited me to their social function and I showed up, they were ecstatic. They were just so happy. And I genuinely am interested in their culture, learning about all the different things like their dress and their food and their history. And when they see that I take that interest in them, they, they see it. And it causes them to be more open with me. And then lastly is I am currently working on a master's degree in biblical languages. Because when these newbie people get saved, they're gonna need a Bible. And so I am right now, I am by faith, taking courses in Greek and Hebrew because in the future, they're going to need a Bible. And I believe that there are several things that God has done to prepare me for reaching the newbie people. And there are several things he's doing right now, even as we speak, to prepare. Hello, Eri, Na. Ma'ovu aikosi adaru. Opi esu ni malele risi, eyo diri malabuku ada, leta yesu niri amburutu. This is a Luke Bar church singing. I'm so glad that Jesus flows in me. It is my dream and my burden that someday there will be a newbie church holding their own newbie Bibles in hand. Singing in the newbie tongue, I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Did Jesus mean it when he said, go and teach all nations? That means every tribe. What if you knew about a tribe that had no Christian resources, no Bible in their language, and no churches? What would you do if God gave you strategic contacts with people from this tribe? What would you do if God gave you the training that you needed to reach this kind of people group? What would you do if God gave you a burden for a people group that nobody else seemed to be trying to reach? If that was you, what would you do? All right. So that video that you just saw is a, a few years old. Um, I have to make uh, one correction to the video um, just because I need to be honest. I don't want to be a missionary who exaggerates my field, um, but in the video I talked about how there's no, you got no newbie churches from many of the denominations. Well, 
there's a Canadian group. They produced a radio program. It's called The Way of Righteousness. Um, it's pretty good. It's actually pretty good. I have the English version. Um, and it's just chronological going through the Bible starting at the beginning. And then it, I think it ends with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, uh, but anyway, it's actually a pretty good program. It's been translated into Newbie. There's a, I actually have the audio files for the Newbie one. Um, as far as I know, it's being distributed on like solar players, which actually I'm trying to get some to bring with me to Uganda. And I have been told by this group uh, that supposedly some churches have been started over there. Okay, so uh, I kind of went through an identity crisis a few weeks ago where I was like, who am I really? Because I thought I was like the pioneer missionary and I thought I was the man. Um, and it, it was helpful for me because I realized like I'm just a follower of Jesus and I'm just doing what Jesus wants me to do. And uh, that's, that is my identity, regardless of what my vocation is or what I'm doing and things like that. And so uh, um, we're at about 93% support. Uh, we're hoping to go to the field in uh, March. Um, so, and then there's stuff on our table. You can go and uh, look at all that. All right. Well, we drove all the way from North Carolina today. I've been driving since about 7 a.m. I'm pretty tired. I'm a little bit nervous uh, because uh, I feel like the Lord's wanting me to do something that I've never done before. I don't know what I'm supposed to really talk about. I don't have everything written out, um, but God's been working in my life, and uh, I feel like I just want to share, um, and I'm just going to pray and ask God to meet with us, so let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. It's all because of Jesus that we're here, and it's all for your honor and your glory. And we have this conference to take the gospel and to challenge, to be challenged and to challenge about going around the world and sharing the gospel. Lord God, I need you tonight. We need you tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd send the spirit of God, that you'll work in our hearts and that you'll change us and that we would go out and we would live for Jesus Christ and that we would bring honor and glory to you in Jesus name. Why are we here? Why are we really here? Is it just another thing on the calendar? Are we just here because we're supposed to be here? Probably some of us, we are here, and I don't even know. The pastor, this might just be the thing that we always do. But I'm convinced that God really wants to do something. I know he does. God is love. He's a God of love. The God who created all things, who spoke everything into existence, the one who made man from the, the dust of the ground and put him in the garden, and, and Adam sinned against him and plunged the human race into sin. And yet, it didn't surprise God. God knew that was going to happen. And yet, it was always God's plan from the beginning to redeem sinners. God loves people. We sometimes see people and we write people off. You know, you, you see somebody and, and, and we look at somebody's outward appearance when we're out and about and we just, we instantly make judgments about people and sometimes we write people off. But God doesn't do that to us. He didn't do that to me. He didn't do that to you. And I'll tell you, I was in some low places before I met Jesus. And we were all in sin. We were all dead in trespasses and sins. Might not have been drugs for you, but you were just as much in sin as I was when I was doing all the really gross sins. 
the, you know the, the, the parable of the fig tree that didn't produce fruit. What did, God, what did God say to do? What did they do with it? Cut it down? No. He said, dung it. And give it a chance to bear fruit. And God does that with us. He'll dung us over and over and over and over again. And, and he gives people chances. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The, the Pharisees, they criticized Jesus. You know what they said? He's a friend of publicans and sinners. That, they thought that was a criticism. He's a friend of publicans and sinners. The, the people that have no hope, that people would just look at, eh, those, nothing. Those are the people that Jesus loves and that Jesus came. Jesus came to save not good people, but sinners. He came to call sinners to repentance. I only understand a small glimpse of the love of God. My view of God is so small. Uh, I know the, the, the theme of the conference, um, Jeremiah sent me. And, that, and, and, and the passage before Isaiah gets the call from God, he sees God high and lifted up. If we only really understood God, and we really knew what he was really like, and we really could see him, and we can see, we can learn so much about God from looking at the person of Jesus. Jesus is the express image of the Father. Jesus came and he declared the Father to us. And we, we can look at how Jesus offered his life on Calvary and how the Father gave the Son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Isaiah was privileged to see God and he was like, whoa, I'm undone. And when you, when you truly understand God and you see God, that's the response. You know, the fact of the matter is, we're all undone. We're all unworthy. That we all have, we're nothing. But yet, we're valuable because God chooses to value us. He chooses to set his love and his affection upon us. You know, nobody who serves God, we, no, there's nobody who serves God who's like, yes, I'm worthy. And yes, I have it all together. And yes, I have all the abilities. I certainly don't feel like that. I'm like, I'm undone. And when Isaiah saw God lifted up and he said, you know, I'm undone. And then, and then the, the Lord had the angel with the, the burning tongs and he came and put it on his tongue and, and he cleansed him. What, it's a wonderful picture. It's the grace of God. It's the enablement of God. Now, every believer... We have the Holy Spirit. When you hear the gospel, that Jesus died for your sins, was buried, and rose again, and the Spirit of God makes you realize your sinfulness, and you hear preaching about Jesus, how he died, how he was buried, and he rose again, and the Holy Spirit opens your eyes, and he makes you realize you're in trouble, and you need Jesus. Okay? That's how it happened for me. And, he, and, and when you, you yield to the Lord and you, you accept Christ and you believe the gospel and you receive Jesus as your Savior, there's something very, very, very wonderful that happens. We're, you're born again. We are made alive spiritually, but we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit. He's a person. Okay? Now, I have heard so many sermons about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has convicted me before, and he's worked on my life. I have heard sermons on being filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit 
And I've read stories about uh, people who've had experiences with the Holy Spirit and people who God's used and things like that. And uh, you can hear it and hear it and hear it, and it can be just come this dry doctrine. But the Spirit of God is a real person, and He is given to us by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, in John 14, 15, and 16, he told his disciples, he said, I'm going away, and I have to go away, because if I don't go away, the Comforter's not going to come, but I'm going to send him to you. The Holy Spirit is, God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us to live in this sinful world, to help us to carry out the Great Commission. Jesus said, he told them to go and teach all the nations, and he gave them a promise. He said, I am with you always. We have the Holy Spirit, and we have everything we need to live for Jesus. But here's the thing. We don't listen to the Spirit of God, and we don't walk in the Spirit. God has really been working on me about this. Uh, in the la- just in the la- really the last like four or five days, God has been doing some things in my life. And I feel like, even as a missionary and raising support, and I preach tons of sermons all the time, and uh, a lot of people would look, I know that, that people look at me and they think, wow, he's spiritual. Wow, this. Because I know people come up to me afterwards, like, wow, you preach this great sermon. But I feel like a lot of times I'm like asleep going through life. Because I have, in some ways in my life, I've made it a habit that I don't actually listen to God. I do things that are religious. I do a few things here or there. But I don't know if I could really say that I am actually sensitive to God and that I'm just moment by moment, day by day, letting God lead me and listening to him. And I think in some ways in my life, I deceive myself at times because I'm doing this religious thing or I'm doing this thing, but I'm not actually walking with God. Jesus said... If any man will save his life, he will lose it. He said, if any man will lose his life for my sake and the gospel, he will find it. There's this weird paradox where real life is found in the giving of our life. Real life is found when we are just totally living for Jesus Christ and the gospel. See, Paul said this. For me to live is Christ. Is the sum total of your life Jesus Christ? We compartmentalize. This is my religious part of my life. This is my me part. Followers of Jesus don't have me time. I've tried to have a lot of me time, just to be honest with you. And uh, the, the Lord has just been working on me. And I'm just, you know, Jesus said this. He said, if you're, if you're weary and you're heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. And come and learn of me. Uh, for, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now you might say, well, I've tried to live for him and it doesn't seem very light. I've, had, I've, been, I've been there. I've been there. Paul talks in Romans 7. I want to do things, and I don't do the things that I know I'm supposed to do, and there's that thing. I think sometimes the reason why things are so difficult for us is because we try to half-live for God. We try to half-live for God. And God 
pours out his grace and his mercy and his divine enablement for those who, who just want to live for him. But if, you try to, if we try to compartmentalize and say, this is my me time, this is my religious time, that is a heavy burden because the, the full access of God's grace and God's power is not there to actually live the way that he wants us to live. I feel like I'm talking to myself, really. I mean, I can, I'm saying this, and I'm like, these people need to believe this, and I'm like, I need to believe this. I need this. One day our life's going to come to an end, and that's going to be it, and then we're going to stand before God, and we're gonna, we're, there is going to be a judgment seat. And li- life is serious. There's a Lester Olaf used to sing this song, it's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. And I'm and it's like I'm like that's true. Like I I feel like I just had my eyes open very recently. Like I'm the missionary and I'm the one that's going out and I'm like I'm going to go be a, a great spiritual missionary over Uganda and I'm like but I don't walk in the spirit and I don't listen to the spirit of God when I'm here. Now I'm not doing like gross sin. I'm not doing anything that any of you could really look at and go, he's not walking with God, okay? But I know it. I, you know, Jesus said this. It came in him, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. The second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments... Hang all the law and the prophets. Have you ever thought about that? Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. It's a shame that in in some churches, when you start talking about how we're supposed to love people, oh, that's that's, that's so new evangelical or whatever. That's biblical Christianity. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you carry around and read the King James Version, and I greatly respect the King James Version. I read from it. I got it right here, okay? And I'm not saying doctrine is not important. Truth is important. But here's the thing. If whatever you believe doesn't lead you to love people, it's kind of worthless. It's really worthless. Worth nothing. Paul said, I could speak with the tongues of angels. I could do all these things. But if I don't have love, I'm something. I'm a little bit. I am nothing. And we deceive ourselves. You know, it's, it's easy to do religious things and not love people. The Pharisees were so good at that. Pharisees were so strict and so separated and uh, meticulously following laws and traditions and all these things. And Jesus told them, he's, you know, you guys are you're tithing of your mint and your amos and your little things of your garden, but you're admitting the weightier things, like mercy. You know, and the Pharisees didn't love people. That's why, hey, Jesus is a friend of publicans and sinners. You know, there's a lot of preaching on the, uh, the parable of the, the prodigal son. The whole point of that parable is really actually about the older brother. The one who was like, hey, uh, he went and he wasted all the father's stuff. You know, and he gets mad because the father is uh, throwing a, 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 a feast for him and everything. God hates Phariseeism. And I'm telling you, I've been a Pharisee. And I often am. 
And there's a lot of us out there. God's heart, God really, 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 really cares about people. Everybody. You can think of the worst person you know. The worst person you know. The person who you think is the the greatest sinner or the worst compromiser or the greatest heretic or the whatever you want to put it in. And God supremely loves that person. I tell you what, the Lord has been working in my life and I just see people around me differently. Like every person that I come across, I'm starting to recognize God loves this person. It's like the, the waiter, the waitress at, at a restaurant or, you know, somebody I'm meeting in a church. Um, we were just in a meeting with uh, Brother Fielder. Some of you guys might know Ken Fielder's Worldview Ministries. And he was talking about, he was talking about the Great Commission. He was talking about being on mission with God, you know. And uh, he was talking about basically every Christian is on mission for God. Okay? Not, every, not every person is supposed to go be a missionary somewhere, but every single person is supposed to live for God and be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Paul said, I am a debtor to all men. And I've started to realize something as I've been traveling. I thought my ministry is over in Uganda. And now I'm starting to realize my ministry is whatever is in front of me at any single given moment. If I'm with my wife... That is my ministry. If I'm with my son, that is my ministry. If I'm here in this church, you people are my ministry. And uh, wherever I go, that's my ministry. I'm a debtor to all men. All men, I'm here to serve everyone. And so are you. Jesus said, whoever's going to be the greatest among you is the servant of all. Every single person. We all have the responsibility to serve everyone else. And I I can't help but wonder, if we did that, and we actually loved people, I wonder if the gospel might have more of an appeal. People are not used to this. People are not used to seeing people who genuinely love others and genuinely care. Um, It said, I heard somebody say recently, they say God's a lover of irony. God loves to do things that are ironic to get people's attention. Like, Jesus was not born in a palace. He was born in a manger. You know, loving people, and, lo- and when we really demonstrate the love of Jesus, like, um, people, they can't not notice it because it's out of the ordinary. But we're so selfish and so carnal, we're just normal. We just look normal. Normal Christianity looks abnormal. Normal Christianity is, is supposed to be, I'm living for Jesus. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Man, we could get up and talk about Bibleless people groups and we could plead with people to be missionaries. But every single person in this room, you should live for Jesus. Completely, fully, holding nothing back. God wants you to be a missionary, go be a missionary. God wants you to do, do something else, fine. God wants you to just be a godly father in your home. You know, He just wants us husbands to love our wives. Just wants us to raise our kids and be kind and patient and compassionate with them? Let me ask you a question. Is your life characterized by the fruit of the Spirit? Go read Galatians chapter 5 and read the fruit of the Spirit. It's not, the things listed in Galatians 5 are not the things that I normally hear people talk about when they are evaluating the spirituality of other people. They're just not the things that people talk about. People talk about a lot of other things. And then go read the, read the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And which one of those do you have? 
And if you look at your life and you pay attention to those lists, you will begin to notice, hey, I am in the flesh right now. I am in the spirit right now. If you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. In 1 John, it says that um, basically, if you hate your brother, you're a liar. If you say you're walking in the light, you're a liar. So you want to know if you're walking in the Spirit, if you're filled with the Spirit, do you love people or are you selfish? And I have to admit, I've been very selfish in my life. I don't have it all figured out, okay? And I don't know why I'm up here talking about this, but a missions conference where you, we, we, you can promise to give money and we, we can do all these things, but I'm just really convinced that what God wants is for us to just wake up. Wake up, realize life's not, it's, it's not about me being as comfortable and getting to do all the things I want to do. Jesus is amazing. Jesus is so wonderful. His grace is so amazing. Everything that I have and everything that I am is by the grace of God. The Spirit of God's going to have to work in your life. I don't know why I'm up here talking about this, but I'm just going to pray. And I'm going to pray. Paul prayed, I believe it was in Ephesians chapter 1. In fact, why don't we go to it? I want to say it's Ephesians chapter 1. Trying to find it. I cannot find the passage. Up oh, here it is. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read in verse 14. Chapter 3, verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole heaven and a whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, here it is, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Lord God, you're so good. You're so compassionate. And God, I know you love me and I can say it with my head and even as I'm up here and I'm, I'm praying and I'm talking to you, I struggle to believe that. God, I pray that you would cause us to know the love of Jesus Christ that passes all knowledge and all understanding that we might be filled with the fullness of God. Pray that for each one here, Lord. God, if there's someone here today, they don't even know the love of Jesus. God, open their hearts. Open their minds. Let it help them to see that you, you commend it, you commendeth your love toward us and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. If there's one here today, they've never received your love, I pray today they would do it. Lord, for the rest of us, 
We love you the little bit that we do because you first loved us. God, I know that you want our hearts. And if, if we would be sensitive to your spirit and you would have our heart, you could do so much through this church, through this conference, around the world. Lord, you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God, I pray that people, we not cause people to stumble on their way to you. You're out there seeking them. You know each person. You love each person. And we have the privilege to be laborers together with you. We're here in the place of Jesus Christ. Father, do whatever it takes. Have come into our lives, whatever we need, that you would be able to cause us to know the love of Jesus Christ and so that we would freely love you and that the love of Jesus would constrain you and that we would obey you and that we would go out and we would hold forth the word of life and we would point people to Jesus Christ and that you would be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes for another moment? We have in our church, and probably in the churches where you're from, if you're guests with us tonight, a time of invitation where we invite you to act on what it is that God has spoken to you about. And I don't know all that God has spoken to you about, but we've heard from a man who's heard from God. And God has stirred up his spirit, and God has spoken to him about some things. And perhaps some of the most important things I ever heard were not born first in the pulpit, they were born first in the heart of the messenger as he spent time in the word of the Lord and in the presence of the Lord. And so I consider ourselves blessed to hear from such a one. Would you say that you love the Lord? How could you tell? He asked some very searching questions. How could you tell if you love Jesus? Well, if we were to audit how we spend our time, what we do with our words, what we're seeking after, I think it reveals that all of us have ground to take. And he is such a good God, isn't he? Maybe you're here tonight and the Lord's dealing with you about some of the things that our brother talked about, about loving people. You know, ministry is people, by the way, whether you're a pastor or a missionary, a church member, a Sunday school teacher. Uh, we're, we're here for people because it's people that get saved. It's people that become like the Lord Jesus Christ. It's changed lives and fruit that abounds and by which our Father is glorified. Maybe you ask God, help me to love people. Help me to love people. Are we just doing religious things because it's what we've always done? We've always had mission conference this time of the year and we always have X number of missionaries in and we always have so many services and I want more than that. I hope you do too. I want more than that. I want to be changed. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing. This altar will be open as a place of prayer. Maybe God has spoken to you about something specifically tonight and you want to bring it forward and ask the Lord to help you. Maybe God didn't speak a lick to you tonight and that worries you. And you want to ask the Lord, let me be aware, let me spiritually hear, let me walk in the spirit that I might get out of this meeting all that I need to. Maybe you don't know Christ as Savior. 
whatever it is, let's say yes to him. Father in heaven, thank you that you did first love us. May we be filled with gratitude at your unsearchable love. I pray that as we begin our meeting with this spirit, that we would hear more and more from you because we would be aware and walking in your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.